0: We welcome all who join us as our numbers continue to gradually grow here in the pews at St. Anne's and to those who join us by way of live stream at your homes, wherever you are, in spiritual communion with us as we celebrate this solemnity of the ascension of Jesus 40 days after his resurrection. The Easter season is 50 days of joy, but it was not always that way 2,000 years ago. Imagine, we have the benefit of 2,000 years of faith, but the disciples, two millennia ago, were very worried. What were they worried about? They were worried and anxious that Jesus had left them, all alone, seemingly having abandoned them. I'm going to the Father, I'm returning to heaven, and they're very afraid. This is a very difficult moment for them. But we can appreciate it too if we go back to our own roots and think about people in our family who've died, loved ones, mom and dad, brothers and sisters, grandparents, friends. And if we were really close to them and they were close to us, we say after they've died, what am I gonna do now? I feel lost, I don't know what to do, I'm worried about the future. Or in another way, it happens with retirement. A lot of us are retired or soon will retire. And we wonder as we retire from long years of service in whatever profession, whatever career, Who's going to succeed me? We say, who's going to fill my shoes? I'm worried about the company, the firm, my office, my employees. Why? Because no one can do it better than I, right? Though we worry a lot about that. Will someone do the job as better than I did? And from the employee's point of view, they worry too. Who's going to succeed him or her? Who's going to fill their shoes? I'm worried about who's replacing them. I don't know who to work for. Where is it all going? So there's anxiety and worry whenever that that kind of change that goes on with death or retirement, or when there's a major health issue or wealth issue, we worry about the future. What's going to happen? Who's in charge? Who's in control? They're universal questions and they come at moments of crisis. And it was the case with the disciples 2000 years ago, even more so in a sense, because they didn't have the benefit of buildings and property and, and money the way we do. These were poor, very uneducated people and very few, relatively speaking. And they were being persecuted, being put to death from the very beginning of the church. These were Jews for Jesus. And if they crucified him, they were gonna crucify these others. They had no sophistication by today's standards. They had no army, no Navy. They had no money, no technology, and no political persuasion. They were outcasts and they were hunted. Amazing from the very beginning and certainly for the first three centuries, the Romans persecuted them. This was not an easy time for the beginning of the church. They worried a lot about the future. Who's in charge? Who's in control? Where is this enterprise going? And many left because they couldn't handle it. I understand that. But these few, these happy few, these band of brothers and sisters stayed together because there was something very important about what they believed. And they begin to tell the story. Then they begin to put it down in the scriptures. Then it gets codified and we know what happened. They were so convinced about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that nothing would stop them. There had been no other religion the world had ever known at the time. And since then, that spoke so clearly about the resurrection of the body after death. They witnessed it. They were with Jesus. And all during those 40 days after his resurrection, he would continually assure them that he was gonna remain with them. We've talked about this before briefly. In the Sunday following Easter, remember, Thomas, put your hand into my side. Put your hand into my nail marks. See that it is I. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I am raised from the dead. I am real. And then Good Shepherd Sunday. He uses the metaphor of shepherd and sheep. He says, I am the Good Shepherd. You are the sheep. My sheep hear my voice. We are one flock together. I remain with you, you remain with me. If you follow my voice, I will lead you into good pasture. I will not abandon you like other shepherds do. Or then I am the vine and you are the branches. The one and the other work together. So the vine produces fruit through the branches and they are nourished by the vine and sustained and live and reproduce. And he will tell them in time as he will at every mass, I am with you always. This is my body, this is my blood. Do not be afraid, it is I. And this will be what carries through for 2000 years. The assurance that Jesus has not abandoned his people, that he's with them always. And he will send the Holy Spirit upon them. The Holy Spirit is God. It comes 50 days after his resurrection. So they have to wait and be patient for the coming of God upon them. And At that moment, officially, the church is established upon Mary and the apostles in the upper room. And Christ does not retire. This is one CEO, CFO that does not retire. He founded the church. He established it but he's not retiring, he doesn't die, he doesn't go away. No, he establishes his corporation. That's an interesting word, corpus, the body, the corporation upon us. And he did that historically when he selected Peter. Now, if I were about to retire, and had to say-so with the Board of Trustees, I would never have recommended Peter. What a loser. Think about it. He betrayed me three times, I'd say. Not very well educated, a poor fisherman. He's gonna make this company go down the drain. I'm not selecting him. I would select Mary. But if historical circumstances told me, no, she's a woman, you can't do that. You'll have to choose a man. Then I would choose John, the beloved disciple. He was there at the foot of the cross with me. He didn't abandon me. He was my best friend. But notice how this Jesus, the founder of the corporation called Catholic Christianity establishes his church upon a repentant sinner. Now that's where you and I come in, because we're all sinners. This is good news. Because the church is not made up of righteous people, it's made up of sinners. That's what keeps us in business, by the way, until the end of time. And ironically, that's why we rejoice. We say, oh happy fault, oh necessary sin of Adam, that won for us so great a redeemer. Had it not been for sin, there would have been no need for a savior. So it's built upon sinners. So when you hear people say, oh, these Christians are hypocrites. They think they're holier than thou. No, well, the point is, we're not. No, we're sinners. But we acknowledge the need for a savior. Whereas the real hypocrite is the one who says, I don't need salvation because I'm my own God. Just flip it when you get into those conversations with people about hypocrisy. No. We come here because we need a savior. That's why Christ established the church. And he chose Peter because he was that repentant sinner. And he chose these weak men and women because they believed in him. They trusted him. He calls them friends. As we said a week or so ago, this is the only religion in the world in which the God-man calls his disciples friends. No longer just subjects or my slaves, no. So he calls his friends because friends do for each other what they wish best for themselves. So who's in charge of this corporation? Who runs it ultimately? It's Jesus Christ. By power of the Holy Spirit, God runs the Catholic Church. And he designates certain people in the hierarchy of things to do that in his name. Successors of the apostles, bishops. Successor of Peter, the popes. Successor of all of these, you and I. Priests, religious, lay men and women. All in our own way, working together within the body, the corpus, the corporation, according to our vocation, our state in life but all asked to work together in unity and peace. This is what kept the church together because they recognized who was in charge, who was really running it. That's good news for us. It must've been a very sweet Italian story about the day of the Ascension when Jesus was rising high above the heavens and the disciples kept looking up, wondering where is he going? And the angels were there boosting him up And the angels looked up at our Lord, and then they looked down at Peter, James, and John, and Mary, and the others, and they kind of wondered. Jesus said to the angels, what are you wondering about? They said, Lord, with all respect, are you going to leave it in their hands? Really, are you gonna leave this all to them? He looked at the angels, And he looked down with a smile at Peter, James and John and the others as they worried and were anxious about their future. And he reassured the angels, yes, I leave it in their hands because you know why? They're all that I have. They are all that I have. And we few, we happy few, We band of brothers and sisters come together because Christ wants it that way. To be in the world, his arms, his eyes, his ears, his head, his heart, his body. As the visible sign of his presence until the end of all time. And he's not left us. He has never abandoned us. He's always assured us, I will remain with you and you with me, and the best way he does that this day, and the most efficient way, the most intelligent way, as God can only do, is with his body and blood present on this altar of sacrifice. Every time that host is elevated, every time that chalice is raised, you can say with Thomas and the apostles and 2000 years of belief, my Lord and my God, you are present. You're always with me. I do not have to be afraid about my future. And I know that you will never retire. You are always with us, and you are in charge.